Welcome back to Coin Scrum Markets. I'm Tina Baker Taylor, and I'm joined today by Andrew Tu from Efficient Frontier to talk about the macro impact on the crypto markets this week. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tina. That's great. So um, we're going to take a look at the broader economy and how that might be supporting the current institutional investment thesis for Bitcoin and other crypto assets. So there's, there's um, a lot of change going on at the moment, especially kind of at the government legislative level in the US. So the new Biden administration, um, they're putting new cabinet members in place. Some of them seem you know, quite crypto savvy, Gary Gensler. Yeah. Um, some of them not so much, Janet Yellen. Um, let's talk a little bit about this new administration and, and what policies we might see coming out of uh, the new administration. Yeah, I think the, the biggest change macro, obviously, in the last month has been the, the rise of the new administration. Um, you know, there was a time when we didn't know if Georgia was going to be Democrat or Republican. Mm -hmm. But now that they've flipped Democrat, it's sort of a situation where the Dems hold a majority in Congress, both the House and the Senate. And, you know, they control the, the presidency as well. So they pretty much have the ability to pass you know, pretty strong stimulus bills in a way that probably would not have been possible if one, you know, one part of the Congress or if the presidency was controlled by a different party. Yeah. So now they're talking about $1.9 trillion for stimulus. Um, and the worry from some folks on Wall Street and some just people in general is that if you combine the monetary stimulus that we've already seen and that continues to happen to some extent, Though less, much less so than you know March, and if you combine that with the fiscal stimulus, that we're going to see inflation. So that really feeds into you know this thesis that a lot of folks have that people have had since the beginning. You know of, of digital gold, yeah. of of a hedge against inflation. Yeah. So you know we're starting to see you know Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy and. Tesla, Elon Musk, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, rumors speculating around who's going to take a large um, Bitcoin position on, on their balance sheet, you know, who's yeah. going to be next and, you know, lots of, you know, gossip around that. So how is the stimulus, which potentially uh, creating inflation, um, affecting some of these big S&P 500 companies? Is this where we're seeing the, the uh, desire to hedge? Yeah, I think in general, you know, hedge funds, funds in general, and of course the S&P 500 companies are looking at dollar as a potential source of weakness. And obviously like we can talk about the fact that right now there's not really inflation, right? Like, like January's inflation wasn't bad at all. Right. Yeah. But the question is, what happens when things open up and travel starts again, demand picks up in the economy and the money starts to get to work? If we see a velocity of money increase, does that cause a spike in inflation? So mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of these fund managers and, and even you know, companies are looking at this and saying, how do I defend myself and hedge out the risk of inflation? So you know, Bitcoin is part of it. And, you know, the, the more gung-ho sort of progressive CEOs like Michael Saylor and Elon Musk are willing to take a huge balance sheet of risk on that. But I think even 
for companies like Apple or, you know, just like BlackRock, right? You know, you, you see uh, companies looking to take small positions in Bitcoin um, just because of the fact that it is a hard asset and, yeah. you know, you want to defend against inflation. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve policy that's kind of driving um, some of this stimulus. So, so where do you think they're at at the moment? And, and by doing what we expect them to do, um, are we creating some moral hazard here? Yeah, it, it's a good question. You know, I think there is a question of the, the, every time the market gets weak, and the market starts to drop like we saw in March. And that was a very unique situation. We see the Fed pump liquidity into the market to save it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in its mandate to keep markets stable, the question is, has the Fed created a moral hazard in markets? Basically saying to investors and potentially driving some of the recent trends we've seen with Wall Street bets and GameStop, you know, yeah. telling investors we'll pump liquidity if the market gets weak. And investors in their heads go, okay, no matter what happens, if the market drops, the Fed is going to step in. So I'm just going to go, you know, just go wild and invest in anything. Because at this point, it doesn't matter. Because if it drops, the Fed will step in. So it's created this sort of a moral hazard. And that's a pretty dangerous situation. Because that means it, it's hard to say what the end game is. But it's potentially possible that the market stops believing in the Fed and stops believing in liquidity, like the liquidity as a solution no longer works and psychology markets break down and you see a massive drop in the market. Yeah, well, so last March's crash um, kind of stimulated this move from Bitcoin acting like a risk on um, to a risk off asset. Will, will that continue? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's so hard to predict the future here, right? But you have, I think, two trends. I think in 2008, 2009, for example, when the market first crashed, we saw gold first actually go down before mm -hmm. going back up. Mm -hmm. And I think you could see a similar situation with Bitcoin. If we see a multi-signal event going downwards, just, you know, flash crash, again, we probably will see Bitcoin drop a lot. But the question is what happens in the aftermath of the drop? And right. I think the hope of a lot of fund managers is that it picks up and arises much faster than the rest of the, let's say the equities market. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So um, what about the current crypto cycle? So, you know, we've seen um, a lot of volatility, um, mostly number go up the last uh, couple of weeks, yeah, um, pretty exactly. much across the board, right? Yeah. So where, where do you think we are in comparison to previous cycles? Do you see any similarities? Yeah, I mean, in 2017, we're, we're probably at that phase, you know, like six innings into the ball game. Okay. You know, I would say it feels like it's at that point and you see this every single day, something's pumping somewhere between 10 to 50%. You saw yeah. Avalanche do this massive pump this week alone, right? Yeah. So all these tokens are pumping and it's pretty much off of speculation at this point. It's not, I mean, crypto cycles have really been a, a market a cycle of psychology, right. right? So when it is in euphoria, it goes up really quickly. 
but speculative markets are always markets that drop also massively at the end of the euphoria. Yeah. What, ca what catalyzes the end is hard to say, but at some point, and you know, we've seen the rise of on-chain analytics to try to predict that, you know, predict the top, but at some point this thing will hit, you know, hit a ceiling and then it'll drop really quickly. Well, I think what I've noticed that's a little bit different and completely correct me if I'm wrong, because this is one person's observation, but sure. the, when we, when we had the all time high up around 20, it seemed to, you know, go up, 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 up. So again, feeding into what you're saying here with, you know, the markets driving the market up, um, hit the peak and then, and then definitely had a significant readjustment or correction, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, this time, though, we've we've kind of, you know, pushed up, hovered around 30, maybe had a little bit of a pullback, and then we went up again, maybe we're hovering around 35, a little bit of a pullback to maybe 30, mm -hmm. um, we've gone up uh, to, to 40, a little bit of a pullback to 35, do you see what I mean? It seems a little bit more of this, like, two steps up, one step back, yeah. uh, where last time we just went up. Yeah. I mean, I think in the popular imagination, we went up straight, right? But if you, if you remember, there were days where we saw like 20% downward corrections in the last yeah. cycle as well. Okay. So I think this cycle is a lot more mature. Like the market structure is much more mature now. You have, free, you have much more robust of the futures and derivatives market to be able to hedge, to be able to short, um, yeah. you know, the collateral even for futures has in most futures nowadays or perps nowadays are linear, not um, inverse. And that's changed a lot of the liquidation made the market more stable as well. So you have a, a more supposedly at least more mature market because of perps and because of options. Mm -hmm. And that means that the, naturally it shouldn't swing as in the exact same, like straight up only um, yeah, style to, that we saw in 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. So um, memes aside, um, what does the Tesla move mean for Bitcoin and for the, the broader kind of monetary stability across that level of company? Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to the earlier question, right, of, of how are companies thinking about Bitcoin? And, you know, at the end of the day, and this is like a kind of a, a an idea many years ago that I think is now slowly becoming into fruition, which is what if companies and hedge funds and funds just put 1% or 2% of right. their balance sheet into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is slowly becoming a reality. And we're going to see it driven primarily by the, like I was saying earlier, by the more gung-ho or the more progressive CEOs of the more progressive companies, probably first starting in tech. But I think as Bitcoin becomes ubiquitous within society as just another asset and another asset class, and mm -hmm. you know, probably the, uh, these companies will start just incorporating it as you know, a normal part of their balance sheet. Yeah, well, um, some of the conversations I've been having over the last couple of days, um, people asking uh, a lot of questions around um, you know, how sticky is it? And I think that there is some confusion around, you know, when a company takes a position like this on their balance sheet, there's probably a significant amount of conversation amongst their board, their senior leadership team, their investors, 
to be able to execute on that. It's exactly. not a, a trade that someone is going to go in and out of quickly. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it depends, you know, certain funds, you know, that are certain hedge funds probably are a little bit more or high net, high net worth individuals and family offices that are investing in Bitcoin probably are less sticky with it. You know, they probably are more able to swing trade up and down. Mm-hmm. But for asset management firms, for companies like this, the amount of time that they spent to just approve it internally and get it legally approved and, you know, all that probably makes it much more sticky of an investment. It's not something that they're just going to flip and flip to wax and, you know, sell it off like that. Yeah. Okay. So Andrew, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's sure. next? Who's the next big corporate Bitcoin buyer? You know, I, it's hard to say, I think on the corporate side, but I, I think you see, you know, folks like Paul Tudor Jones and, and uh, you know, Ray Dalio writing very eloquently about Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So I think where the most excitement for me is, is on the hedge fund side, you know, on the hedge fund side, on the macro fund side, these kind of funds taking positions with their huge balance sheets. Um, okay. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much for breaking that down for us. And um, it's great to have you back. And uh, we'll, we'll see you soon for another uh, episode of RFQ. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Take care.